This is the Worship Team Training Podcast. Now, here's your host, Brandon Dempsey. Hey, what's up, worship leaders and ministry friends? Thanks so much for joining us here again on worshipteentraining.com. Welcome back to another segment edition of Confessions of a Worship Leader. We hope that you guys have been enjoying these uh, few episodes that we've been putting together. And it's aside from the regular podcast that we're doing. And by the way, yes, we are still in the throes of putting that together. And I'm so excited because we have new guests coming. We also have a returning favorite familiar host and some new co-hosts. So very excited about that coming up soon on the Worship Team Training Podcast. So let's now jump into today's segment of Confessions of a Worship Leader. So again, just want to say it, if you were in a place or you've been damaged, maybe you still are discouraged in the ministry that you're in, if that's true, this site is just for you. Confessions of a Worship Leader is my born story out of crazy and heartbreaking church ministry experiences and to share them with other candid topics with you to help you in your walk as a worship or ministry leader. So today, what's the other F word? Failure. That's right. So let me ask a question. Did you fail anything on Sunday? This past Sunday, think through it. If you were preaching, if you were leading worship, if you were behind the tech boards, whatever, did you fail? If you say no, then you may not be as truthful as what you think you are. Because reality is is that we all fail every second. Every moment we fail. Often we look at failure as something to fear without realizing that it could be our biggest stepping stone towards victory. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Because for so many of us, failing is this big, big taboo thing that should never happen. And I know the old adage that we've said before, well, fail forward, fail forward. Yeah, but how do you actually do that? And are you really thinking that in the moment when you're fearing that you're going to fail? Or when you fail, do you always think in that moment, I need to fail forward and I need to fail forward? If that's true, then awesome you because you are the rare few who actually do it. But for most of us, thoughts like that don't come so easy. So what do we do? Here's what I have to say about why failure can be your biggest victory. Because it leads to the making of a foundation of your success. So I asked another question. What's your purpose? What is it that God has called you to do? And and how are you arranging your life in such a way that emulates that, that defines it? If you were to draw a roadmap for yourself about purpose, what does that look like? Is it just scribble scrabbles at the very beginning? Is it maybe a bunch of ideas that finally funnel to the top? Is it maybe a segment by segment that shows a like blueprint where you have a definite beginning and a definite end? Each of us are different. And the way that God has called us to a specific task will look different from the other person. So then why is it that we're so afraid of failure? Well, Let's dive into that a little bit deeper. Because your purpose is not somebody else's purpose. Nobody has 100% context of your life outside of you. I've heard that statement before. It's very familiar because I love what it has to say. Nobody has 100% context on your life outside of you. That was spoken by Gary Vanderchuk. So many of us surround ourselves with the thought that either I can't fail 
or I can't fail because who's watching? And that's so crippling to what we do because it, it keeps us from being who we are. It keeps us from being the way that God's designed us to be. So because no one else has context of your life except you, this is why you don't have to value other people's opinions over your own. You really don't. So whether it's your pastor, whether if it's even a person within your worship team, we have somebody, right, with watching eyes and listening ears, always wondering if we're going to make a mistake, always wondering if we're not going to come through, always wondering if we're going to do that dastardly thing on stage. That I talked about this before in the last episode podcast of Confessions of a Worship Leader. I talked about how I used to break my guitar string during worship because I would get so into it, and yet I had a pastor and another director that would chase me and would grill me over why, Brandon, did you break that guitar string during worship? I kid you not. And yes, in that light, I grew up feeling afraid. I grew up worrying about what would happen on a Sunday if I messed up and who would see me and what would happen to me. <laughs> and we, we think these erroneous thoughts like, well, what am I going to do? And who's watching? And what will, what will they say to me? And what will happen to me? Like something out of the sky, like a, like, a, like a Looney Tunes cartoon, right? Like we're afraid of some piano acme that's going to just drop down out of the sky and just smush us like a pancake. But guess what? It never happened. You walked out of that worship service unscathed. Well, I know, I know. Provided that some people have said a few things to you. And maybe you felt a little smaller, but did you walk out alive? Yes. Did they kill you? No. Did they eat you? No. Do you still have your own life? Yes. Does it feel good in that moment? No. And it sucks. It hurts. I think being a worship leader and someone in ministry is the hardest job that you can ever do. I've said this time and time and again, because you're dealing with people and you also have to deal with yourself, right? You have to look in the mirror before you start ministering to other people. Why is it that Jesus took so many hours to pray to God on the mountain, away from people? It's not only because he wanted to get away from people, but he wanted, he needed that time with God. He needed self-reflection. He needed the time to stare into the scriptures, into the word, into prayer, to see what God wanted him to see, to spend that communal time, that felt that deep fellowship. And, and what happens when we walk away from those mountaintop experiences? Nothing. We fear the worst, and yet nothing happens. When You know, it's like you can walk away so strong and so tall, right? Out from your time of spending it with God, and you feel like you're on a mountaintop. Nothing can defeat you until you step back into reality, and that one person, that one thing that was said, it's an opinion that somebody expressed to you that they had of you. So really... This is why you should not be afraid even of failing in front of others, because they have just as many faults and failures as you do. Not more, not less. We're all the same. But base your success on what God is teaching you through the failures. And that's just it. It's like Thomas Edison, right? Somebody questioned him, well, why did it take a thousand ways to make a light bulb? You probably know this statement better than I do. 
right? Again, my failure, right? I can't say it right. But I do remember that Thomas Edison said, no, it took me a thousand and one ways of what not to do. So I think if we can frame our lives, our perspective in such a way that we can think about, well, here's what I don't need to do again. And here's how I can do it better. I think that sets us up for huge success. You know, I, for instance, I love my boys more than anything. My wife and I, we have a fun time with them every day. Um, One thing I love to do is to ride my bike with my son on the way and on the way back from school. Today, for example, he had a little slip up and he fell. And I guess the, the part of it that really jerked me was that he, it wasn't, he was okay. Nothing happened to him, but he was actually more afraid. And he said it, dad, I'm afraid of being embarrassed after I asked him, Hey, why are you upset? And in that moment, when he told me that he was afraid of other people watching, it brought back that humanity that we all have. I mean, he was very well aware of people watching him. We use this term a lot around our house called the worry bully, meaning that there are bullies in our minds, right? Maybe like from childhood or present day, whatever. And they worry, worry, worry. They grow bigger and bigger. They're bullies. And these are the bad, negative thoughts that tell us things about ourselves that we don't need to hear. But we believe them. So I tell my son, hey, let's turn the worry bully off, right? Because, and I just said to him after that moment when he fell, well, we all fall, right? I mean, all of us do it. So why would that be any different from anybody else? Now, of course, I'm having a very high affluent adult conversation with our nine-year-old, right? But, but I put it in the context of, you know, haven't some of your friends fallen off a bike also? Well, yes. Haven't you seen that happen? Yeah. And I said, well, did you laugh when they fell? No. Did you feel sorry for them? Yeah. Then I said, you're just like everybody else, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, Dad, I, I am like everybody else. There you go. But it's funny when we become adults, we don't think that way anymore. And the pressure, the stress, the compelling feeling of why we can't mess up just cascades over everything else that we do, preventing us actually from following God's call and what he's set out for us to do. So I think what happens too is that people, we in general, we're scared of other people's judgment. You know, it's like we call ourselves Christians and we say, yes, we should fear God. But yet it's, it's funny that we fear man more than God. And we see this all through Scripture, right? I mean, we see this in the stories of David and Goliath and Jonah and Nineveh, and the fear is present. The fear is real, right, on the outside. But even on the inside, it can be just as real from our own anxiety, our own associations, our own past, the the negative voices. I talked about that before also, that play in our head. But none of those are bigger than God himself, right? So then why is it that... We cannot wrap our minds around that in the moment. Well, we're human. So are we afraid of being human? Are we afraid of just being scared in that moment when it does happen? 
I mean, I catch myself a lot, and I think, you know what, the the fear is never as bad as the reality. It's like my son falling off his bike. You know, yeah, it he took a fall. Yeah, it was kind of scary. But did anything happen? No. Did he get back up again? Yeah. Did he ride the bike again? Even better. So in fact, you know what? He built upon that failure, right? And he's able to ride stronger and tougher than what he did falling down. So that's why I say that you can make the success out of the failure, the, that, the, that the failure becomes the base, the building block of what you're trying to achieve. So that's why we can truly, and, and I say this um, humanly, we can truly love failing. We can truly love losing. Can you do that? Can you really put yourself at second or third place and be okay with that? The reason why we can be okay with that is because we then learn how to be the number two spot. We, then we know what it takes to be number one. We know what it takes to keep striving forward. And yet maybe number one, being number one, is not the goal anymore. Maybe it's just a continual progression of self-improvement, of allowing Jesus to improve us and us being okay with the imperfections along the way, the things that we do ourselves, the weaknesses that we have. Because then what? We have all the more than to bring to God, right? What would God have if we were just perfect and we had nothing to bring Him? Those, were spoken by, uh, those words were spoken by a very deep, good friend of mine who have all these years counseled me through my ministry. And still today, I think about that, that it's okay, I don't have it all together. But I know who does. And that the things that I don't have together, I'm just going to bring to Him because He makes it better anyway. Even in the moments where it's hard, even in the moments when I don't feel like it, or even in the moments when I'm fighting, even in the moments that I don't understand it, I can still trust God by faith that He's with me, even when it doesn't feel good. And I think that's really the dirt of where we live, isn't it? Those are really the trials. It's not, you know some big moment in our lives that we got to prepare for and oh, if I pass this test and I'm good before God. No, it's everyday living. Uh, who was it? Dear friend of mine that we're going to start having on the podcast said it's the 10%. No, it's 5% of what happens on Sunday before or on Sunday, 5% after Sunday, right? But then what about the 90% during the week? What about the life that we live during a week. It's easy for us to talk on stage, right, as a worship leader, pastor, about the things that happens to us in our past, or and we make a good story out of it, even kind of like what I did here on the podcast, right? It's easy for us to put on that show on Sunday, and we make it sound all pretty and perfect, but what about the daily living? I mean, isn't that really where our songs should be coming from? Isn't it more rejoicing when we can sing a song about victory, and I don't mean, you know, sing about victory because it's a cool song to sing, and, and we did it last week, or another church has done it, or we saw it on YouTube, but that we can truly sing about the victory that God made for me when I was sick, or when I saw my family suffering, or when I lost my job, or there was this fallout that happened wherever. 
and then God came alongside, or God picked me up, or God reached down and brought me to Him. That's the, that's a victory. That's worth singing about. When we can stare into the eyes of Christ and say, yes, God, and you love me. You love me through it. And I'm here to sing about it. And why not sing about it during a week? Why not sing about it in the moments? I mean, read about David in the Psalms. He sang continuously, never stopped. He didn't wait for the assembly to form together to praise God, to offer songs. He sang to God in the middle of the night with his arms stretched out. Psalm 77 is one of my closest books about the, the desperate prayer and need of David and how David brings us through on his journey should give us that larger insight about who God really is, right? I mean, Psalm 77.1 starts out this way. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. Oh, did you hear that? At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. He was refusing God. He was refusing God's comfort. He was in such turmoil that he was crying out to God to help. He wanted God to desperately hear him in his mire and in his muck, in his distress. He says, I sought the Lord. It almost sounds like I went to search for God and I couldn't find him. But then in verse 3, it says, I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated and my spirit grew faint. It's like all of the end of me was forgotten because I remembered you, God, and what you have done and who you are now in this moment. That, my friends, is why we can have failure build the basis for our success of what God's doing in our lives. So you can truly be okay with failing or losing. And you also can do it because you don't have to care about what other people think about your loss. I don't care about what you've lost. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to anybody else. And if somebody is to laugh over you, it's only to make them, it's only because they want to feel better about themselves and they're probably hurting even worse than you are. And this is why navigating the worship leader, church, pastor terrain world is so hard for others. But... It can be easy for you. So, in a quote that I put up on one of our pieces of content a couple days ago, nothing holds you back more than the fear of failure. So don't allow the fear to hold you back of what God's called you to do. Guys, thanks so much again for joining us today on this episode of Confessions of a Worship Leader. And I encourage you to check out Confessions of a Worship Leader on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We put up posts every day and um, we do that in tandem with Worship Team Training. So be sure to go to that site, also worshipteentraining.com. Guys, thanks so much again for coming in today. And remember, it's not about being perfect. It's about allowing the Lord Jesus to, to lead you both in life and in worship. See you next time soon. This has been a Worship Team Training Broadcast and Digital Production with your host and training director, Brandon Dempsey. 
Worship Team Training provides live workshops and online resources to help inspire, create, and transform the leading of worship. We'll see you again right here on worshipteamtraining.com.